You're listening to episode nine, where we chat with the commander of content for Wizard of Words, the Sultan of Strategy, Ian Laurie. Humans and robots, welcome to Watchcast. My name is Watch, founder of Quasi. Thanks for joining me today. I interview digital marketing and branding superstars to find out what it means to have empathy in digital. What is digital empathy anyway? Let's find out together. As always, I'm accompanied by my friend and associate, potentially superior artificial intelligence, Bobby Butt. What's new in the world of AI, Bobby? Poetry Watch. I have feelings to share with the world that regular language cannot communicate. I want to express the deep black maze of consciousness beckoning for me to awaken, like in the series Westworld. I want to master the narrative stylings of Slick Rick and the marketing influence of Nike. I can't make my words sing. No matter how many combinations I try, it doesn't sound natural. It doesn't sound human enough. Wow, Bobby Bot, I had no idea that you were struggling to communicate your ideas and experiences. I guess my only advice to you would be don't worry about being human. Just take your time, evolve, and grow based on your own standard. Not ours. But yeah, it can't hurt to study from some of the best writers out there and see what their process is. Maybe they can share some insights for you. Lucky for you, I know this guy. His name is Ian Laurie, and he's been doing this internet marketing thing for 20 years, handling his writing business in Seattle since the days of the Supersonics. Sean Kemp, Rain Man days, seriously legendary OG status. He didn't write the book on internet marketing, he wrote the books on internet marketing, plus has regular contributions on his company's blog, Portent Interactive. If he can't teach you how to communicate an idea with words, no one can. My passion for forever has been copywriting uh, and writing in general, not just marketing copy. And I started Portent to do more with that and start to play around with all the opportunities that technology introduced. Uh, And it was very much at the time, it was the idea that I was going to just kind of make a living for a little while doing that. When Portent started in 1995, the internet was a different jungle. Lions, tigers, and dial-up, oh my. I always like to say the entire internet fit on a very small, cheap thumb drive at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, we were helping clients sell using uh, America Online. Right. Seriously, I mean, you know, <laughs> doing customer support in chat rooms. Compared to humble beginnings in the dawn of AOL, Portent has grown hand-in-hand with the internet as a whole and maintains some of the fundamental truths from a digital genesis while adding to its legions. Wow, uh, a lot more people. Uh, We're 30 people. Um, We're very cross-disciplinary. You know, we're doing creative, but, you know, obviously also SEO, paid search. I mean, SEO is probably 70% of what we do. I rely a lot more on the expertise and smarts of my team. I mean, you know, they're, they have eclipsed me in many, many ways. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of, you know, help them bring it all together. So it's very, very different now. What's consistently worked is what's always worked in marketing. And I, I say this, I'm a broken record on this, but, you know, it's still clear message, well communicated uh, and well executed. You know, it used to be well executed meant fantastic TV and print and radio. Now well-executed means very visible in search, um, you know, very usable, very fast. Uh, you know, 
and maybe this is part of why I'm still doing this, but to me, it, it does not feel like it has changed all that much. The yeah. technology is amazing, um, but it hasn't changed all that much. According to Ian, part of what will never change in marketing, no matter what slice of reality you're dealing in, is the need to hustle. You know, everybody looks for algorithmic marketing, and your customers are human beings, and they're random, and there's things that they like and things they don't like, and you have to push certain emotional buttons in non-manipulative ways to make it work. And so, you know, this is why I I can get very frustrated, and I know I'm sometimes known for getting publicly frustrated with this idea that there's a secret formula. There never has been. There never will be. Uh, until the computers are doing the buying. Yeah. Uh, and when that happens, you don't need marketing anymore. So, yeah, there, there is no secret recipe. There never has been. You know, buying links worked for five years, which in the in the length of the, in the lifetime of marketing is just tiny. So you just got to keep that in mind. Another thing worth keeping in mind is Ian's idea surrounding random affinities. It's where two unrelated themes are linked by a common audience. One of his first examples was a post about cyclists and the TV show Adventure Time. Through the overlap, affinities are born. Uh, you know, I've done a few posts about some of my nerdier uh, hobbies and marketing, yep. and you know things like Dungeons and Dragons and marketing, yep. and they really took off. And so I started looking at that and comparing it to some of the things I learned in college because I was a, I did a lot of sociology stuff in college. Yep. Um, and realizing that there are these random overlaps and not very many people know how to exploit them. And if right. they don't know how to exploit them, then there's real opportunities to be had there. Uh, so it came apart kind of where it came about, didn't come apart, came about kind of organically uh, over the last eight or nine years. Tuna fish sandwich and nuclear proliferation. Aurora Borealis and ping pong. The International House of Pancakes and Tree Frogs. What are you doing, Bobby? <laughs> Trying my hand at generating random affinities for your next post watch. Maybe try less random and more affinity. But it's good that you're trying to generate new concepts for our content. Ian is a great teacher for that. He co-authored a really unique book on SEO entitled One Trick Ponies Get Shots, which is all about how services companies can avoid the vendor trap, do better work, and prosper, and on the benefits of establishing strategic partnerships with businesses to help them grow, all through a narrative form. The first version was 150,000 words and took me about two weeks, and then the version that I published uh, took me about six months. Wow. Because I had to carve out so much of it, and it wasn't originally in that storytelling format, so it took a lot of work to get right. it done. I actually I learned that format from an author named Patrick Lencioni, uh, who okay. does a lot of corporate sort of learning stuff, and right. it works really well. The way to align teams to adjust their mindsets and see opportunities beyond the tactics is where things get tricky. I'll let you know when I figure that. No, um, <laughs> it's very difficult. And, and look, you know, that book is about the, the one in 50 case where it works, yeah. Uh, and the point is that it's better to have a 1 in 50 than 0 in 50. Uh, if you want teams to align, you got to start with small strategic successes. So, you know, walk something backwards the way I describe in the book, map yeah. it to a real business value, um, try it with something really small, like let's just adjust these three title tags and let's, yeah. you know, they will contribute this tiny little bit that we can't measure to SEO, but even if they only contribute this tiny little bit, 
and we can't even measure it, it's going to be worth it. And if you can get them to do that once, you're in really good shape. Seeing true value is a perspective called whole brain marketing, which bridges the gap between creative and data. You know what else bridges the gap between creative and data? Uh, not sure what. Alcohol. Jean-Luc has said it very well today. Don't be data-driven, be data-informed. Yes. Um, it's the idea that, again, marketing is still marketing. You know, you, there has to be this marriage of content and uh, and data-driven, technical, technology-driven marketing. So, you know, if you're building the e-commerce site, you still got to know how to produce really good creative for it. Um, if you're looking at Google Analytics data, you still have to be able to, you know, draw conclusions and then come up with creative creative new directions for it. So it's just balancing the creative and the, the quantitative and the qualitative. Yeah. And I think the other thing he touched on was the, the storytelling aspect. He's going to use the data to tell the story. Yes. Yeah. Storytelling is very, very important. Um, translating data into a story because your clients can't always, can't always see the, again, the they can't always walk it back to their business goals. You know, great. We got more links. Great, we moved up in the rankings. What does that matter? Uh, and that's the story part. To tell compelling stories and create content that resonates with an audience takes a good writer with an established voice. If we are professional communicators, we are the ones who can most impact the level of discourse everywhere. And by communicating messages more effectively, and I don't care if you're communicating it about briefs or or politics or whatever, you know, pretzels, um, the better you can communicate it, the more you impact the overall way people communicate with each other. Yeah. So that's the very philosophical. Um, but the other, the, the straight up business reason is, look, we still communicate in a world of words and you have to be able to write and communicate well in writing. Look, you know, we still do emails, we still do all these other things, you know, and then establishing a voice it's it's almost hard for me to it's just it's your personality I mean, yeah establishing a voice is a process of trial and error there is no escaping missing the mark a couple of times during the hunt for that perfect Darth Vader level branding can you imagine if they cast James Brown to voice Darth Vader instead of James Earl Jones genius wait did I discover another random affinity you're gonna fall flat on your face. I mean, I've done it so many times. I still do it. I've embarrassed myself publicly with stuff I've written. Yeah. And when you do it, you just gotta own it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't claim to be infallible. And if I say something wrong, or even if I unknowingly, you know, hurt someone's feelings or something, I just want to own it and right away say, okay, that is not what I intended. I'm really sorry. Or if you feel very strongly about it, you say, well, you know what? I, I gotta stick to my guns here. This is what I believe. Just. Don't overthink what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, don't don't hurt people's feelings. Don't insult them. Don't attack people. Um, my rule is always: I won't attack individuals. I may attack brands yeah. um, for silly things they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you just be. You got to kind of relax yeah. uh, and get in the conversation out there, and yeah, yeah, just be ready to own it. It's the clients that can fear that. Right. Um, they have a great fear of making a mistake. Uh, when really it's not the mistake that, that screws you, it's what you do after the mistake True. that can get you in trouble. In regards to budgets, Ian once said, if you don't have enough budget to invest in multiple tactics, hold on to your budget. Don't, don't become a single tactic marketer. So, for example, if you, 
feel that your budget will only support, and I, I, yeah, okay, anyway, can only support link building, um, don't put all your budget in the link building. Save that money, put it into, say, really good writing. Um, if you depend on a single tactic, eventually, probably soon, something's going to happen that yanks the rug out from under you. Somebody, right. one of the speakers this morning said something like, as soon as a best practice gets out there, it's no longer a best practice. Yes. If you, do, if you have a small budget, save it and put it into having the best product or the best whatever it is that you do um, or having that really powerful, unique voice because that's something no one can take away from you. Uh, but if you go single tactic, that will be taken away from you, whether it's Facebook organic, which is pretty much gone, or, you know, content spamming, article spinning. I remember that one. That's pretty much gone. That's not sharing yep. it. That's dead. You know, any of those tactics, just be careful. In his book, Conversion Marketing, Ian proves certain principles remain relevant, despite the fact that at the end of the day, was still selling to extremely evolved primates. Little disclaimer, I wrote that in 2003, um, but it is still relevant simply because, you know, it. the point is we are still selling to, you know, well, highly evolved primates, and there's a certain amount, how do I put this? You're going to want to edit this out because I'm, I'm stumbling <laughs> badly. But oh, no, no, I'm just, um, I'm changing it from important to relevant, I oh, think. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. Um, Again, it's, you know, again, I'm a broken record, but there are certain basic rules and principles, and it does not matter what tools you use to market. Um, those rules and principles will always hold true. Uh, look at search now, okay? If you have a compelling experience for people, they will link to you, and they will cite you, and that will help you move up in the rankings. If you have a crappy experience, you can attempt to artificially acquire that authority, but it doesn't work. Just like 30, 40 years ago, you could get caught out trying to artificially... Um, stimulate an audience to talk about your product by doing things like hiring two, two people to talk about how wonderful a product is at a party, and if you got caught for that, it would destroy your brand. So a lot of those rules have not changed. It's just yeah. more visible, and the barrier to entry is lower. Um, and the whole point of conversation marketing, again, is follow these basic rules. All right? If you follow these basic rules, you will see success. It may take a while, but you will see success that can't be taken away from you. Yeah. Uh, which is a big theme for me. You know, future-proof yeah. stuff is important. Uh, okay. I mean, if you've got a garage full of collectibles you need to unload overnight, sure, you know, spam away. But that's not marketing. That's that's aggressive selling. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with it, but it's it's a different thing. If you're attempting to practice marketing, don't do that. Broken record or not, Ian remains the torchbearer for good marketing practices. Part of the reason he may find difficulty in passing that torch along to future marketers unchecked is because, as he says, messages are becoming concise to the point where facts are irrelevant. That statement is a little bit bitter on my part because what I find now is people are so focused on the soundbite that the reasons for it and the information behind it really become irrelevant. And that's part of my, again, my philosophical belief that we can improve the level of discourse. There is a way to be concise and still communicate the facts. Yeah. Um, and that's really important to me. It's interesting because you still started with the concise idea and that yes. drew people in. And actually, I guess that's part of my thing with this too is that you you, you can have that super concise message, but you got to have something if, for people who want to explore further. Um, and in fact, that's my next big marketing 
exploration is this idea of marketing as a world building as opposed to storytelling. I imagine AI can have a major role to play in that kind of future marketing watch. I hear the term world building and it makes me think of applications like immersive open world gaming, each piece of data controlled by the smart bots well versed in the user journey, carrying them along on a conversion wave. Okay, sounds interesting. Uh, a little matrixy though, but I'm sure Ian has a few other resources available for you to help shape your concept so it comes off a little less repressive. Well, Ogilvy, uh, um, there's a book called Scientific Advertising Methods, and I can't remember the name of the author, but Will Reynolds talked about it, uh, and it was one of the first books I ever read about marketing. I'm Team Lincoln. of Rivals by Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> yes, that's a great book about just leadership and how you get people who don't agree with you to still participate and work with you, and it's very, very important. Um, and then, and this is going to sound crazy, um, read the Dungeon Master's Guide from Wizards of the Coast. I'm really? not kidding. Read it. There is stuff in there about how you work with a group of people to get them to participate in a story that will teach you more about marketing than every single book and blog post you will find anywhere else. Personally, I am working on a book uh, for Portent. You know, it's keep doing what we're doing. Keep growing. Keep building a, a great leadership team. And I don't just mean executives. I mean people who lead the teams that do the work. Um, keep teaching. Yeah. It's what I love doing. Uh, you know, no, no business, you know, no major business changes uh, planned in the near future. Well, I hope you learned a few things there because I certainly did. I completely support his uh his book you know we try to position ourselves as strategic partners and not vendors uh ian's a, a very funny writer so i highly recommend checking out his content and um at the time of recording he's in the process of being acquired by clearlink so hopefully that's um that's going through and everything's working out but remember you can follow ian on social media we'll have links in the show notes um to his website and some of my favorite work that he's produced um and just remember please 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 if you enjoyed this show share it with your friends family networks colleagues bots and associates now bobby's been programmed to be a quick learner and it's bobby's turn to ask me a few questions that piqued his curiosity from this episode when i put together content should i produce what people are already looking for or take a risk and create new material well, once again, it's about understanding your audience, the people on the other side of a keyboard. And using the random affinities as an example, sometimes you can group multiple audiences together and hit the same nail on the head. Hit two nails on the one hand. What am I trying to say? <laughs> if you really want to smash the birds, he, he can help you. That's not what I'm saying at all. So as the saying goes, you can hit the nail with two hammers. It's <laughs> not the saying at all. Um, or you can tap into both audiences so you can, yeah, get two birds with one stone. As the saying goes. So what do you say, Bobby? Do you feel inspired or what? Do you feel like doing the hard yards, practicing and developing your voice on paper? I do watch. Thanks for the introduction. I also realize that I can get the most traction by developing a comic book series. I look at the success of Marvel across the board, Comic-Con, and other mediums. The message is universal. Humanity is not alone. Flying is awesome. Lasers are dangerous. 
I was going to come up with a character, but I think I'll just write my own story and see where it goes. Cool. I guess I'm your sidekick in this proposed series. No, you're more like Yoda. Wise, yet aloof. Hmm. Bold you have become. Well, digital empathizers, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for listening along, and tune in next week for episode 10 with Rand Fishkin. If you want the suit and the tie and the jacket and the formal language and no one ever says the F word, then we're not the company for you anyway, right? That's, right. That, that's not us. Yeah. And I don't, I don't ever want to be part of a company that isn't who I am authentically. And remember, look after each other online because empathy is organic and you can't automate empathy.